Welcome everybody to the Casually Hardcore Podcast. My name is Brian, and this is your spoiler warning. We're going to be talking about spoilers for the latest expansion, Shadowbringers. So if you have not completed that story, it's highly recommended that you do so. You won't regret it. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed this podcast, and we'll see you next time. Yeah. But once it once he actually changed to Innocence, I didn't feel like it matched Innocence as much, but it was still perfect. I was so upset saying that everybody told him that that's what it was. And oh my god, when he was eat, when you find him eating the yeah. sin eaters, I was like, "What is he? What is he doing?" <laughs> I didn't know Light Warden could do that. I don't know if he was the only one that did that. I have no idea, but I was disgusted. Welcome, everybody, to Casually Hardcore, episode 35. I'm one of your hosts, Brian. Joining us is Chris, and we have Zandri back on the show after completing Heaven's Word, completing uh, Stormblood, <laughs> and completing probably the piece de resistance of Shadowbringers. I am very excited to sit down and talk to you today about Shadowbringers. Uh, there's probably going to be a little bit of WoW connection, too, because essentially from a kind of a narrative within MMOs, that's kind of the general theme for the show. But as always, we're going to kind of see where this takes us and how far we go. Uh, thanks for everybody who's joining us in chat. Also, I do want to say, um, you know, thanks to obviously uh, to, <laughs> I'm like, uh, to, I can't even think, Exit Lag for their partnership with us. Uh, if you guys check out the link below in the description, you can use the code DOWORK for 20% off. If you're having some lag issues, check it out. I've heard nothing but good from the 14 community coming back and saying uh, good things about it. You can also find this podcast on Spotify, iTunes, uh, the SoundCloud, Google Play, wherever pretty much podcasts are found. So be sure to check that out. Xandri, you completed the story. How do you feel? Finally. <laughs> How do you I feel? went through such a roller coaster of emotions. It wasn't even funny. I thought people were dying. They didn't die. I thought people were going to die. And then they were fine. And then the whole Minfilia and Oracle of Light and Ardbert, which obviously we'll get into all of the nitty gritty, but there were times when I wanted to scream at Yoshi P. There were times when I wanted to hug Yoshi P. It was it was intense. I don't think I've ever gotten so emotional, possibly regardless of video games. I don't think I've ever even gotten this emotional watching a movie. It was insane. I'm sure people can. What was your cry counter at at the end when you got through <laughs> the last trial? Was it 23, 20? 28. So 28. I knew it was somewhere in the 20s. <laughs> yeah, 28. I Intense. Emmett Selk. Everything with Emmett Selk and everybody in Amarat, which uh, please, please let me know if I pronounce something incorrectly because everybody. <laughs> Don't ask me. We won't know. <laughs> everybody like, it's this way. No, it's pronounced this way. No, it's pronounced this way. And I'm like, okay, you're it doing sounds more elegant as Amaro, and I Amaro. don't think that's right, but I like it. <laughs> the, uh, my, my, my rule of thumb is, do you understand what I'm talking about? If so, yeah. then we shall carry on. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But all of that just really got me. It just, uh, pretty much every single time I saw Ardbert, I teared up. Yeah. Every single time I saw Ariange, because he's hot now, I teared up out of pure joy. 
<laughs> the feels. <laughs> uh, everything that happens with Thancred, um, when you're trying to bring who is now Reen to meet Minfilia or the Oracle of Light from the time, um, when he fights against, when Thancred is pitted against Ranji and you have oh, to play yes. Thancred. And I didn't realize that he was just reminiscing. I thought that it was like, um, you know, your life flashing before your eyes as you pass on mm -hmm. and so the whole time i'm sitting there i'm like ugly crying mm -hmm. i had worn uh quite a bit of eye makeup that day too because my eyes were my allergies have been killing me so they've been awful and it was just all like <laughs> it was so bad and everybody's like just wait just wait and it was during a 12-hour stream marathon yeah. and so you go back and you go to hang hand in the quest that says find thancred and i'm mm. bawling even more just because of that because you're literally talking to reen and I, as the player, know that he is dead, but she doesn't. We're going to find him. I'm like, it's going to be so horrible. It's going to be so bad. And then I'm walking up, walking up, walking up, and everybody in chat is laughing. And I have no idea why, because I'm so tired. Yeah. That I had no idea what was going on. I didn't realize that you handed in the quest to Thancred until I was this close. Yeah. You're like, wait a minute. He's standing. I looked up and I was like, oh He's my, I standing. My He's standing. Oh my, I was so, because I, and it yeah. was, like, I teared up throughout the whole game. You know, I teared up for Nidhogg. I teared up for hearing Hraisvulgur's story. I teared up for Iceheart. I teared up for Xenos. Xenos is a very different character, let me say. Yeah, we're, and, we, I want to touch on, on that. I'd like to get your thoughts on it, but give, continue, please. Oh, <laughs> no, yeah, I'm going to jump in with a minor spoiler warning to everybody out there. Yeah, like, honestly, true. like, if you haven't finished the story, please bookmark this podcast. It's going to be, I think, a really good time. Uh, come check it out. <laughs> uh, our last podcast was actually with Dado from Dado Does Nasty over on uh, on YouTube, and that was a heck of a lot of fun. It was really interesting to get his insight. So we've been just in knee deep into the MMO RPG kind of world, and I think that's really kind of a perfect conversation for the story itself. Like you're talking Xenos as a character, you're talking uh, Ranjit. Like there are some really beautiful themes. Like that's the thing that I kind of connected with. That like even chat saying like I felt bad for Emmett Selk. Like mm -hmm. honestly, that had to be the most well-written villain that we've had to date. And we've had some good villains. I've always kind of said the villain, um, the best kind of villain is the villain who is just he's justified in his in his mm -hmm. thing. The reason that they're opposite to us, <laughs> the well, the, re the reason is it's not it's not that their goals are. Uh, like bad it's the it's the actions in which they are striving to achieve said goals chris he's not a villain uh, let's just do it what's what's happening here go ahead oh we can jump world to world and just just do what we do and like oh i don't even understand what's going on here but i'm gonna go just disrupt things because i don't understand them and it's gonna be fine because i'm from the source and yet this guy that remembers things from before our memories has to be inherently bad i i I do think that he's made some poor decisions, but I don't think he's a villain. I think he's defending people and he's trying to get to a better form of the world. Um, I don't know. I think I'm an Asian, guys. I don't I, think he's a villain either, actually. I, I, I agree. I agree. I want to hear Andrew's point because I, I'm going to spoil it. You're both wrong, but continue, please. <laughs> Everybody has been arguing with me for it for stream too, but I, well, I'm biased because mm -hmm. I love Emmett. I love Emmett as a character from the moment he inhabited Solus's body from when he gets shot um, and, you know, just comes back and talks about his plans about going to the first and visiting us. I've loved him. I love the flamboyant way that he speaks, how mm -hmm. he 
you know, holds himself, how he walks. It's, he is unreal. He's just such a cool character. We talk about him in chat as best boy. Um, but <laughs> for me, it was not even an Asian thing. It was more like an ancient thing. So this whole Zodiac V Heidelin story mm. where um, I was actually talking about this in chat last night, how, you know, there was being, there was destruction wrought you know, and in the very beginning with the ancients and mm -hmm. they didn't know why. So there have been a, a lot of theory craft. There's been a lot of theory crafting that it was because of the experiments that they did that had gone wrong, that they didn't think they would gone have gone wrong or whatever. It's open-ended. You don't essentially know. Right. Um, and he had this huge burden on his shoulders because of people sacrificing themselves for their ether to feed Zodiac. And once Zodiac was actually summoned, the flora was coming back and that he there was a promise it wasn't necess uh, necessarily um set in stone but there was the promise that if there was more sacrifice that it would bring the original um population of ancients mm -hmm. that sacrificed yeah. themselves back right and i think there's a, a misconception there i think a lot of people think that it was going to be the other half of the ancients to bring back the original half of the ancients but I think it was all of the a lot of the flora that he brought back, sacrificing some of the ether of the flora to bring these people back. But again, there wasn't necessarily a a, a complete factual, you know, um, you didn't have its word, like it's Zodiac's word. You know, I understand right. bad that you have to sacrifice for him, but a lot of people um, actually think that Heidelin is the villain rather than Emmett because Emmett has the, this on his shoulders. Like he's really upset. People have sacrificed themselves. He doesn't believe that anybody on the source would do that, that people couldn't be that selfless. Um, the ancients are so philosophical. They're able to debate without having it affect their everyday lives. Their raw They're power of creation is oh, just yeah, mind boggling. Great. The fact that like they had to create a bureaucracy because of it, because it's like the, I mean, it yeah. just shows the power of creation. It's <laughs> like straight up. It's amazing. And like, what, what would you do, you know? And I think that there was that misconception, but then, I mean, it is kind of bad that he said that he would sacrifice people from the source. That's kind of bad, but I don't know. I just, I think that he was a really great character because I think that in a way he was becoming emotionally attached to the warrior of light and the scions by the amount of truth that he was telling. Like he never actually lied to you. Mm -hmm. He was telling you the truth. He thought you could harness the light, whether or not it was for a good reason or not, he believed in you. And I, a lot of people have actually said that he didn't exert his full power when he turned into Hades either, because he became so emotionally attached to the Scions and what they were doing that he let himself be defeated, therefore not necessarily a villain or inherently evil as we or others have perceived him to be. I don't know if I agree with that, but I just think he's badass yeah. character <laughs> oh absolutely the uh so he lived for a thousand thousand years like he's he's been around mm -hmm. for longer than we can co comprehend he's fallen in love he's created he's had families he's had kids he's experienced life and everything that there is with it the uh the interesting and in how everything is connected with their failed experiment with the 13th where they essentially turned it into the void and then the rest and then then they figured out how to do the rejoinings like that he's a man on a quest and i think essentially that's kind of what was tragic about his story why he's a villain in my mind is obviously is that 
essentially they had a uh, kind of a noble purpose. And that's why I think the best villains start off with that. Like we're going to rid the world of evil. And then you end up looking back after the quest and you're like, Oh, to rid the world of evil. Like we, we wrecked and brought, you know, about such, such evil. And then we ourselves were corrupted by it. And so the question that I have, especially when it comes down to the rejoining is that when we look at how the game is going, I'm all for the rejoining. I think that ultimately is the correct way forward the the world has been sundered we have these shards out there that remain and then we have these other shards that have been absorbed they had they're 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 no more but is there a way to do it without genocide <laughs> like right. is there a way to be it to be done and it was it did it require another thousand years on that own and i think one of the coolest moments and i said this as a part of my story review is that the hero you know the warrior of light uh you know really shows their uh, their, you know, just their heroic nature in that that exchange with Emixel when he's essentially uh, driven by the fear of being forgotten, and he's his line, remember, remember that we existed, yeah, and then the, <laughs> and then the warrior light nods, giving him a gift, uh, that gift of peace, uh, letting him know that it's like, yeah, we're not going to forget you, you know, um, uh. and that's I think was such a was such a powerful moment because it's so easy to see, <laughs> uh, you know, that it, you could be like. <laughs> Heck no, dude. Like, we beat you. <laughs> You're done. But uh, I thought that was just, I think, a beautiful moment between uh, those uh, those characters. Chris? Um, I think to call him a villain, it's possible that you're admitting that the player population, not the characters, the player population is tempered by Heidelin. Oh, absolutely. We We're tempered. We right. cannot see the other side. We, we just have no concept of the other side. And it is possible that both are equally flawed. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That you're judging his methods as being false, but like, how do we know perception. now ours aren't false right it's it's what perception is, what yeah. is this magic thing that we're doing with a million years less knowledge than him that's so much better like I, I i'm not convinced we're bettering things we go into dungeons and wipe it out thousands of times a day that can't be great for right. you know like <sighs> but that's part of why i have really really been drawn to 14 is just because they take those ideas like those are things that you see every day in real life you know your your morality is tested you know your your character is tested with things like this and there's also you know that whole heidelin v zodiac thing mm -hmm. we would have never known about the um how zodiac was brought about we would have never known about zodiac or the zodiac and heidelin being primals mm -hmm. because of what we were taught coming from somewhere else. And it's kind of like history, right. like, or, you know, you are explained different things in history and who was right and who was wrong in a very vague sense of the word, depending on where you were brought up and what you learned. And I think it's really cool that they were able to have that as an undertone in, I mean, I feel like it's been an undertone since Stormblood mm -hmm. because you have your morality tested with Yatsuyu. She's a horrible person. She, you know, did all of these things, but the way she came about was tragic. The way that she ended up being who she is, is tragic. Then she has all memory lost of hurting these people. So then mm -hmm. it's like, okay, is it okay to kill her? Is it okay to imprison her? She doesn't remember. But then gaining all of that memory back and, you know, um, evolve, I can't think of the word, but coinciding with, um, with a primal, you know, then mm. all of that happens. But then she, you know, she kills her brother. And then you're like, okay, so do I feel good that she killed her brother? Do I feel bad that she killed her brother? Do I feel good for her? Do I feel bad for her? Do I, is this a win? 
And I feel the same way about Xenos too. When, when Xenos, I feel like it's so much spoiler alert right now. I'm You're sorry. good. Like we said, we gave a spoiler uh, warning earlier in the show. So, <laughs> but it's so funny because everybody talked about how evil Xenos was, how it was all about the hunts, how it was everything, and everybody was like, "Oh, you killed him!" And when he did that, when he slit his throat, I had to take a moment. I was like, I don't see this as a victory. Right. At all. A, we weren't the ones to do it. He did it himself. B, he literally talks about how he hasn't been able to feel anything until he's fought against you. And I understand that's psychopathic behavior. <laughs> but in the same time, he makes you feel like you really were the reason that he was able to end it. Yeah. But then he but the reason that you're able to end it and then calling you a friend, I was like, Oh, <laughs> it just, it really hit me. And that's the thing, you know, where, what, you know, what's white, what's wrong. You know, he did good things for good people as well in the wrong way. Like he saved Yatsuyu's brother unintentionally. He was just trying to kill someone in the battle when Yatsuyu's brother, his name escapes me at the moment. I'm sorry. But when there's there's that cinematic where, you know, this this soldier is coming over to kill him. Um, it was uh, like somebody from Kugane and Xenos kills that guy. So what comes out of that is that he saves Yatsuyu's brother who ends mm. up becoming his fanboy. Did he <laughs> kill him? No, he just wanted to kill the guy. But he did technically a good thing for somebody who at the time, if you hadn't known his past and how he reacted toward Yatsuyu, would have been a good person you know th this boy fell in love with xenos because of that so it's just it's kind of it's just crazy there's just so much and yeah. it, it just it's all shades of gray and i just i think that that really hooks you into the story even more than any game i've ever played to be honest yeah so who's your favorite character so far yeah go ahead Chris. uh my absolute favorite character is emmett for sure Oh yeah. He's been my favorite character since he was introduced. I've loved everything about him. I love the way he saunters. I love his long draws. I love how um, he would, he literally, there was a perfect meme that talked about him where he was like, I'm going to follow you guys. And then they're like, no, you can't. And he goes, wait, I have a permit. And he, he takes it out and it's this note that says, I can do what I want. Signed Emmett Selk. Like, it's just great. Like he doesn't actually do anything for you except give you information, but he tags along and he always has, great tidbits to say and he was just so tragic and yeah. he saves Estola for us you know like so he yes he, that's he, true he he brings Estola back again yes I forgot about that which was handy because the first time was a pain in the butt <laughs> all know. these people being brought back though like it just it was killing my emotions yeah it was absolutely especially in the the uh one of the ending cinematics when you actually are f about to fight Hades and then he you know hits Alphino and Alizé and then he hits everybody else and I'm like they're all dead again just like an ARR and then they're fine mm -hmm. I think it could have been more impactful if he'd left Yastola dead a little longer like yeah. playtime wise what was that what was she dead for six minutes like it wasn't yeah. very it wasn't yeah. like we went off no. and like oh my gosh, we have to grieve and then divert focus and then go do right. this other battle. And then we get through this dungeon and then he brings her back. It's like, mm -hmm. no, no, like we get back to town and she's waiting. Uh, and I, I think I would have preferred something a little more impactful because like I was still kind of processing that she died and deciding mm -hmm. how I felt about it. And she was already back. So like, I didn't even get to explore that full gamut of emotions there. Um, so I, I don't know. 
I, I thought Emma was the best. I thought it, he was the reason that I didn't skip cutscenes. Uh, fear that he would be in there. I, I have to say, for me, um, for for him as a character being tragic, absolutely. Like you saw how he carried himself because he was slouched over. Like he just mm-hmm. had he, like had the weight like of the world, and he's just pressing forward. Uh, he's doing this, and it's kind of you know obviously he's gotten to a point of no return because it's like, well, you know, I can't stop doing genocides because it's like we've already you know this. This boulder has been rolling downhill this far. I thought I thought I really enjoyed um, the interactions between all the scions. I really appreciated just the time gap that that had happened because that allowed for a lot more character development that we've had with these characters for a while, so we could kind of see these relationships. And uh, you know, like with uh, Thancred and with uh, Reen, uh, I really enjoyed that kind of that love triangle with him with the Oracle, with, you know, like with Nephilia and, uh, and with Reen and that protective nature. And then contrasting that with Ran- Ranjit. I didn't oh. see, uh, I saw, uh, and I could relate to each of the, the villains in this game. I like with Ranjit, with, uh, with innocence, with, uh, Bothry. Yeah. And, uh, and oh, with Bothry Emmett, and, but with all three, I could relate to a certain aspiration that they were kind of like a, kind of a virtue that was corrupted Right. Mm-hmm. So it's like with Ranjit, he has been protecting the or these these oracles and he's reached a point where his mind, the only way he can protect them is to lock them away and decide with essentially the, the, the enemies that will protect the oracles. His duty is second to none. Yeah. And then you have Vothri who was corrupted in the womb, and then from that corruption, um, grew up his whole life being told he's the savior of the realm. And then he has this what do you say he's a perfect case of affluenza yeah oh my gosh so too and but with that with that uh with that corruption with that affluenza like everything in his world has shown him that he is the savior these monsters and creatures listen to him you know how could you know and so for him the tragedy is that he he was defeated like how his worldview came crashing down and that's and that was it was that's why it was so appropriate that his his primal name, that fight's name, was innocence because he was he was in in, in regards, you know, uh, just somebody who was unfortunately like innocent through it. But obviously his actions were deplorable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and then obviously Evan so brought that up with Chad. I had asked everyone if they really thought that he was evil or if it was because of the way he was brought up. And a lot of people were saying that he still made you know poor choices mm-hmm. with that. But his turning into innocence, let me tell you, that was awesome. It was absolutely awesome. I wish they would have changed the voice for innocence, though, because it's it, the voice. I feel like it matched mm. Bothry, especially with the echo. Yeah. But once it once he actually changed to innocence, I didn't feel like it matched innocence as much. But it was still perfect. How he was so upset, saying that everybody told him that that's what it was. And oh my god, when he was eat, when you find him eating the yeah. sin eaters, I was like, "What is he? What is he doing?" <laughs> I didn't know Light Warden could do that. I don't know if he was the only one that did that. I have no idea, but I was disgusted. <laughs> I think it was the point. And then he sprouts wings and he just flies yeah, off. He just flies away. And I'm pretty sure I made the comment. I can't believe those wings can hold him after eating all. Like he even eats the fork or the spoon or whatever it was. Yeah. Oh, and when I found out... I don't think he's proud of it, though. I think it's like that feeling when I eat, like, the second or third sleeve of Thin Mints. It's like, (laughs) no, this isn't good. Like, don't judge me. (laughs) That that decision is long gone. 
uh, I'm just going to eat this. I'm not going to eat this till I'm full. I'm going to eat this until I hate myself. Yep. Uh, <laughs> and I loved him as well. But my other absolute favorite character, and again, forgive me, I, I cannot remember her name, but the fat cat woman in Yulemore that is in love with oh, Alphano yeah. and just wants the science. She is so cute. And she gets her husband to make the big tallows and she pretty mm -hmm. much is just like, oh, I know you can do it, honey. And he's like, oh, yeah, I can. Oh, yeah. Uh, Lady Chai. Dula Chai. Yes. Dula Chai. Yes. She is amazing. I love her. She was so upset, too. Like, after you, you know, you go and you fight uh, Valthry and Innocence and she's like, are they going to come back, you know? And then she gets really upset not seeing you, thinking that you aren't going to come back at the at the very, very end. Um, it's just, she's so cute. She's Did so you cute. play through BFA's story? Uh, no, I only got to the, um, right when Old Deer came out. I only did Heroic Old Deer. Okay, because in the BFA story, there's this couple and it's this old turtles and they're like, they're like bickering at each other because they've been mm. married forever and like as you walk places one of them will like try to tell you and and then the other one's like he doesn't care about that <laughs> like they're like, this couple, like, just, like interrupting each other and like there's just this this beauty and this humor to them um that's and that's how i felt about dulia chai like that's how i it was just this like comic relief of they're just these two real people who don't realize that they're in the middle of something that's like totally changing their realm they're like Oh, it's just another Thursday. There's just this young boy. Oh, sure, you want to save the realm, honey. Just finish my painting. Like, it's fine. Uh, like, it got to the point where you're like, yeah, no, it's totally cool. They threw the original artist off of Yulemore. That's fine. They're super sweet. <laughs> he made it. It's okay. <laughs> Man, that, that town was nuts, right? Because it was... Yeah. And you get it from kind of the, the mindset because when you do see the like the flood of light and the, and the flashback and you do see all that happening, it's just, yeah, the, the world was almost destroyed and essentially they've lost hope. And so it's like you see the people like the haves, the have nots. There was a lot of themes, like I said, in this uh, in this story that was just some of it kind of hit close to home because like you talk about Heidelin and Zodiac, you talk about, yeah. you know, uh, the the Asians being tempered. There is no other way like you know just like with us with Heidelin there like there is no other way and then you know the worst case scenario is that we look back and it's like oh we weren't a hero <laughs> you know we were that's what we were then left to perceive yeah. and go from there so man goodness gracious and that's what made Ardbert so sad he's mm -hmm. I literally mm -hmm. one of yeah. one of his lines was you know we did everything right we did everything that we were asked to do and it still didn't help. You know, it, it made things worse. And then everybody, okay, so I I must have missed when I was going through um, Stormblood, I believe it was, and you were fighting the Warriors of Darkness mm -hmm. originally. Yeah. I didn't realize that he, that everybody killed themselves to get to the source. They did, yeah. I had no idea. And they're like, everybody's like, yeah, yeah that's why his axe was bloodied. And I'm like, oh my God. So they do that. Then they are, um, you see Ardbert back on the first, and then you see how they all sacrifice themselves in the flood. And you're like, what? I just can't with these people. And he just, was going to and was yeah. told like, no, you can't. And like felt terrible. Yeah. Um, and so he was left to wander alone and him and his Choco bro or whatever, like uh, those. Oh, it's Amaro. You know, 
Yeah. Oh my gosh. And that relationship that they had and that story. And then he was able to kind of witness that was so beautiful. I loved it because as Chris said, especially in the final moments, like the whole story, he felt like a warrior, right? Because he's a playing as a warrior. Uh, Ardbert is a warrior. The, you know, the, well, the story the, was written for warriors. Yeah. I'm glad you got to clear it, but it was written for warrior mains. <laughs> And it was just, it was, uh, gosh, it was so good. I thought that was also a beautiful uh, narrative telling because here is the warrior of light and he's tired. And so he's going to go rest. And then he can kind of have this, this moment with the, you know, with a ghost that no that, that is longing for some form of connection. And then is then traveling there and witnessing this and being able to provide, you know, some level of exposition for everybody mm-hmm. to kind of kick back and enjoy. Uh, Zandra, did you have a favorite moment? Like in all of, um, uh, let's let's first say like, if you're going to have to pick from the entire um, ARR to now, and then within just Shadowbringers itself. Oh, wow. So you get two options and then I'll let you pick as many as you want, honestly, because it's just that um, good, good. It's probably the most horrible and everybody's gonna be like you're a horrible person for saying this it's so sad but that's why i love it um when probably in just Shadowbringers alone um for starters my favorite moment is when you meet tesleen and you meet the the little child who is essentially becoming mm-hmm. a sin eater and you know you have to get these the fruit for him because it's going to be his last meal so that they can make him feel comfortable before, you know, he is going to turn, you know, he has his last meal and then he, and it's poison and then he dies. Um, That probably that and Tesslene actually wanting to like that boy was condemned. Like he was Mm -hmm. going to change and it just wasn't his time yet. And, you know, he, he was going to die from the poison and the fruit, but she, he gets out and she still protects him and ends up being the one to be turned into a Sin Eater. Like, I just thought that that was, it really, really hit home because she knew, she knew that he was going to turn anyway. She, Mm -hmm. you know, she was still upset. She still went after him and she, I, I, she probably obviously didn't think that she was going to end up being hit and turned into a Sin Eater, but just that moment where she does Mm -hmm. and it's to protect this child who doesn't have much time left just so that he can wait out his days and still be comfortable was just like oh and it just set the tone for the rest of the expansion and just that for me was an amazing moment Mm -hmm. and then you know you see her in the dungeon later but her just that transformation was grotesque it was sick just the, the sound effects everything was just i was i probably made the most grotesque faces watching it and yeah and then seeing her in the dungeon and in my mind i was like well i'm glad she's here and i'm glad that we're setting her free and then everyone in chat is like you're disgusting that's horrible you're hurting tesseline and i'm like no it's a good thing and they're like why aren't you crying and i'm like because i've already cried 20 times (laughs) (laughs) chris what was your favorite moment Oh, from Shadowbringers, it's so it's the final moment where Arbert like is like, you know, basically like Hans's axe were sitting there at the very end. So I've been a warrior. So like the only way that could have been better is if they, you know, swapped out my gear set. So I'm like wielding that axe like Mm -hmm. 
get out of the cutscene is like, oh, you get to keep this now. Uh, I would probably have kept that item forever and ever and ever if they had <laughs> given Artbird's axe at the end of that scene because the music kicks in at the exact right moment and it's been all this buildup and it just felt like, I mean, it was very like one of those moments in the movie where it's like, it was inside you the whole time. <laughs> like it was one of those moments and it was just after all this conflict and all this turmoil and the whole time I felt like, I felt like throughout this story, I do love the new like UI for making selections, mm -hmm. but there were so many times that the selection I really wanted wasn't offered. And so I felt very like Bandersnatch, like Black Mirror Bandersnatch, where it's like, well, these are both bad options. <laughs> and and it felt like Ardbert actually represented a lot of what I was feeling. And so to get to the end and be like, oh, like Arbert's been living that journey for like the other side of my feelings the whole time. And then the music kicks in and it's like, this is going to be awesome. Like, let's go, let's do this. And the final fight, like that whole very end scene of 5.0, I got out of the other end. And as soon as I was calm from it, like a few hours later, my whole fear was how does 5.1 not feel like we should have just stopped at 5.0? Like, how do they, how do they continue this where... Cause I don't know that it can be better than that. Like that's the best I've felt the entire time playing this game since ARR. Mm -hmm. And his ex was clean. So it was like everything was gone. You know, it wasn't bloody anymore. It was like he was getting to rejoin his party and it was just, it was unreal. But actually speaking of that, I had mm -hmm. a question for you guys. Go ahead. So, okay. So when you're um, about to do that and you're about to make the, f uh, the final attack and the, the light has overwhelmed you mm -hmm. and Ardbert is there to help out. So unless I saw something, which I don't think I did, I think this really happened in the cinematic, um, Emmett Selk sees Ardbert mesh with you, but then he looks over again and it looks like one of the ancients. And I thought my idea was that it was actually Hythlodius, who you talk before you- On the bench, yeah. Right. So I thought that even though Hythlodius said, plus the name sounds really close to Hydaelyn, I don't know. But it was just very, very, um, it was very odd because I was like, oh my God, he's seeing an ancient there. It must've been Hythlodius. Like Hythlodius was really there to help you out, not just to watch. Mm -hmm. But then other people said that they thought that uh, one of their theory crafts was that the 14 was the council of the ancients and they said that there was 13 but then there ended up being another person added on mm -hmm. for the whole zodiac hydaelyn decisions and so they were saying that since you were going back in time and that's what he saw was you looking like one of the ancients that you were actually the 14th yeah, I just that's no that's what that's what I hear. Honestly, um, I mean, we're this is theory crafting one on one because <laughs> it's highly possible. I actually do believe it. I think that's why we have uh, Hyde and Lillian has such a love for us is because of that uh, kind of event. And when you look at it and you look at the relationship, the 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 warrior light feels like he's the other side of the coin. Um, where Emmett Selk, uh, you know, La Habrea and Elidibus do retain memories prior to the sundering and everybody else doesn't mm -hmm. um you know the question is why is that however 
then with uh you know with everybody else is like yeah i think we are the opposite side of that but we were part of that council and that Mm -hmm. kind of is reflective of why there were 14 shards and the source and uh, all of that i think um it's gonna be neat to see because there there's it's great that uh, Shadowbringers answered so many questions, but at the same time, it's fun to see what kind of questions we've yeah. seen raised from that. Uh, and let alone, obviously, like with who is the Warrior of Light as, as that character? Like, have we existed this long? Um, mm-hmm. Was it Evan Selk recognizing us from then? Are we, you know, connected with, uh, you know, with the, the ancients in that way? Or are we just somebody who, you know, came to be? But look, mm-hmm. think, feel... Uh, those being kind of the three words that we were introduced to the game, I kind of like to try to apply that to the story overall. Like, you know, is that still kind of prevalent? I can't say for sure. Like, uh, it wouldn't surprise me. I like to believe that theory personally because mm-hmm. of that, but that's just where I fall. Chris, where do you fall? Uh, I mean, I think a lot of the questions really, um, they, they felt very intentionally placed. They felt like breadcrumbs. So if they weren't intentionally placed, that's going to be really frustrating looking back um, because the breadcrumbs felt really logical. Like a lot of these questions we're asking are questions around the ancients. And it feels very logical to me that, that there's a beast tribe in the Tempest that helps us explore that. There's this beautiful zone with all of this lore back there. And we have a chance to establish an entire city in the past. And they could have just had it take place in like Emmett's consciousness as like a side quest that we just go into one time. And you can see with New Game Plus, but instead, it's this whole zone that's fleshed out with with an aetherite. So that tells me that hopefully that's a breadcrumb that we can go back there and we can further explain, explore who are we, why do they recognize us, why can we talk to one that seems to have some level of sentient thought outside of what just, like if that whole city was formed of Emmett Selk's memories, mm-hmm. they would all kind of be limited to what Emmett Selk thought of them. And it didn't feel like he was. It felt like Hythlodius was able to function outside of that he and was, so yeah. and i wonder if what's fleshing him out is our memory of him i'm wondering if we're the other half of that and why there was more to him than that um and it's also an interesting way to go back and explore like we talk about killing Asians. well once they're killed that's the end of it until we can start going back to the past now we can go back and have conversations with anybody we want it's gonna be neat like time travel obviously is an interesting loop uh, my favorite moment would literally be uh, like where obviously the crystal, you know, Exarch is revealed to, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, I don't know why I'm drawing a blank on his name, but that is one of the most exciting, especially as somebody who put the lore and the story summary of the crystal tower together. I was like, it's him. It's got to be him. Okay. Confirmed. Excellent. Yep. Uh, and then, um, and then with that character though, he was so interesting because he went, obviously the eighth umbral era had occurred that had caused him to go back in time. Uh, and then he ended up going a hundred years further back than he expected. He pulls in the Asians and then the goal was to try to prevent the eighth, uh, you know, umbral era. And his whole plan was for him to kind of be obliterated because, oh, we prevented it. Well, then I never needed to come back in time. I'm gone. But then he remains. And so I wonder, like, did we just delay the Eighth Umbral Era? You know, did we delay that calamity? Or is there another thread of time out there that is that continues on where that happened? And if so, like, through, like, with the time travel and dimensional travel, like, is it possible to be able to jump around not only to different dimensions, aka the shards, but either different timelines? My theory there, what I would say is I think that it's probably just delayed. I think we've only delayed the inevitable with the eighth and the ideal will be some kind of exodus, um, some kind of arc 
that we that we use to try to move people to and from, kind of like the void arc. Uh, go ahead, Chris. I think we cause it. I think it would have. I think if we'd never messed with this, it wouldn't have happened. I think we saw it coming, and our actions are the actions that ultimately lead to it. Well, it's the Oedipus kind of scenario. Zandri, what do you think? Are we going to cause the eighth emerald? Like, or does that time exist? Like, it's so fun. I love talking about it. <laughs> I, I honestly really, really, really like that idea. I like that opinion because I, I didn't think about that. I was just thinking, oh, you know, we did it. You know, we've all been celebrating. That's so great that we prevented it. But you're right. He's still there. You still go back. You know, you you go with uh, Reen and, and Thancred and you find Eden. So there's obviously still you know, the original Sin Eater Light Warden, I can't remember which, I think it was Sin Eater. Um, The original one would be Eden, yeah. Even after, and that's, you know, you can't unlock that until after you do the MSQ. So yeah, I mean, it it makes sense that you either didn't prevent anything and you're just delaying it or that you are the cause of it. That would be, and wouldn't it be crazy? Wouldn't it be neat if you were the ones that ended up causing it and now you don't really have any associates to help you, you know, Ardbert is back with his party. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Emmett is, you know, as far as we know, dead, you know, we've used all of those shards to, you know, to kill him, you know, the, mm-hmm. the crystal exarch, you know, was working on his power from the tower. The further he is away from it, he can't help you because he's bound to it. Like, yeah. It just, and then, you know, Amarat, regardless of if it was Emmett's memory, and even though, you know, Hythlodius was able to, you know, think and speak for himself outside of the actual era and know who you were, like, you don't have that anymore. It's ruins now because you got rid of Emmett. So it mm-hmm. would be kind of crazy if, A, you caused it with all of this stuff by intervening, which, again, would be like the whole history thing or like, what are we doing now with our yeah. action IRL? But at the same time, you don't necessarily, other than the scions, have a lot of assets anymore because so many people have, you know, either sacrificed themselves or died. You know, it's just that's crazy. <laughs> so um, on that note, though, that we also have the scions still marooned on the first, unable to currently leave. We are able to still like bounce back and forth. And then obviously on the source, like I'm, I'm so in love with the first. I'm so in love with the first. I'm like, I would have a house here if they'd let me. I yep. don't want to leave it because I think it's it's just court, and that's why I'm like I'm so pro rejoining. I'm like, can we get, <laughs> you know, can we get this world in our world? Can we like what are we missing? Because that's where, from my perspective, seeing how beautiful and how awesomely designed kind of the zones and the, everything was, the fairies and all of that, I was like, mm-hmm. man, this is this is what Aorsia needs. Like like all of this. Like why is it separate? And then you realize like yeah like. We, we all got a piece of it. We don't get, we don't have the whole thing, the whole beauty of it all together. And so that's kind of where I fall. But uh, beyond the, the sundering, beyond that, um, narratively speaking, that has me the most excited for the next two years to unfold. Mm-hmm. Because what they've done is not only did they deliver, I think, a, a superb, and like I have here on my notes, it is one of the highest rated games in 2019, perhaps even the highest rated MMO expansion in history uh and i think it's definitely well deserved uh in that regards where do we go from here like what do you want to see in october or early november (laughs) oh uh i this sounds so silly but again because i'm biased i want to see 
Elidibus bring back Asians that we think we've killed. Mm -hmm. Like, I think it would be cool to have La Habrea. I think it would be cool to have, you know, Emmett back to be like, oh, actually, what you thought you were doing that was good didn't actually help anything. Yeah. And I want the whole Heidelin story more fleshed out because everything that you learn after going to the first is kind of like, okay, so if Heidelin was really good mm -hmm. and has been able to communicate with us, why has she not communicated that? Right. Like she does, it, it's not, it's not even um, lying. It's a withholding of information. I mean, what but, if we're tempered in the point where like she could tell us all day long and we don't, we don't like, all right, like yeah, it, it's so. just, it's insane. And I'm really excited to see, um, I know that we're eventually going to see it with the patches, but it's the first time that I've been completely caught up since I've been playing. And I was so angry with Gaius coming in and trying to pit himself against Xenos. And I'm like, no, I love Gaius. He's so cute now without his mask. And I'm, I don't know. I'm just excited to see, like Chris was saying, you know, where do you go from here? Like, is bringing the Garleans back and actually going back and fighting the Empire and seeing what's going on there and what Xenos ends up doing with it now that he's, you know, killed his dad and he doesn't want all of these petty wars, like, he just wants the hunts. Like, how do you make that as, as big as what you've just done? That, and I have not done Eden yet, so I'm excited to see how that really connects to the story. And the um academia dungeon which i'm excited to really see you know how many of oh, the yeah. creatures were actually or have gotten out that they don't know about because they're yeah. like no 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 and i actually the for the very first time i was upset too about the ancients because i was like oh they're an amazing people i can't believe all of this happened you know i side with them and then they're like oh yeah the guys next to us we use them to fight against our creatures in here for our experiments and i'm like what they use the Ando. I was actually upset about that. I don't know if I read have it correctly. Have you played eight? Final Fantasy eight? Yes, I have. You'll I've really appreciate some stuff that's end. coming up. I've never beaten it though. I've seen the end cinematic, but yeah. I didn't realize that at the end you only had specific party members that it chose for you. And I was so angry the first time I did it because I didn't know that that I didn't want to kill off other party members to make sure it was the ones that I had actually leveled up. So I haven't. I haven't beaten it, but yeah, so I love the music. I've, I actually unlocked Eden today, but I'm just excited to see what it is going forward. Like, I want to I want to see Zodiac. I don't want to see Hades holding, you know, a Zodiac stat, the original Zodiac crystal. Yeah. You know, I don't want him to be a statue in Academia. Like, I want to see Zodiac. Like, I want to see if Zodiac can change the warrior of light darkness you know i want to see what he brings or she i guess brings to the story i think Adeline's female zodiac's male yeah um, that's just, what i assumed but i didn't want to be well and that. it's just also like and not that maybe they don't have uh, gender to be specific but the mm -hmm. voice of heidelin um is is female and then when you hear the music right. the voice of zodiac is actually uh uh is masculine and they just right. kind of have that that contrast um kind of to it uh in that regards now i do want to actually jump at like a little off topic to an interesting question from kevin says um so consider that we were able to rejoin without destruction uh what about the individuals that are rejoined on the different shards what person or personality of the individuals that are rejoined is primary and what if people on different shards are married and they have children do parents know uh, now know, not know their children or know them, um, do their people know their spouse? And I, I'm going to jump in uh, like with my thoughts on it is that 
while uh, there are people who might remind us of people on the source, they are separate individuals. So if like, let's say the rejoining happened without destruction, like you could actually see and that could cause a lot of drama and confusion where, uh, you know, let's say you had a character that's a beloved character uh, <laughs> that's passed away and all of a sudden they're walking around and their dad's like, wait, what, like, how are you here? And he's like, oh, I'm not that person. I'm not your son. Like, you know, I've had my own history in life. I just happen to have that kind of connection. So you could end up having some kind of doppelganger situations uh, set up, but it wouldn't be that like we rejoin and all of a sudden you're the, there's not a version of use in my mind on the source, unless I, I missed something. Chris, what are your thoughts? So they've addressed that. So right at the beginning of when you first jump over to the first, you actually run into the same brothers that we ran into. If you think back to the beginning of kind of like ARR, those brothers in the caravan and stuff, like it's that very same story being told. And so you see how there's similar personalities. So if you kind of imagine a person is like almost like their D and D traits, right? So that that D and D trait set was still out there. So it's very that nature versus nurture. So that very nature seed was put out in both realms, but because of nurture, because of the difference in the realms and the difference in the history and the lives they were given, they ultimately became different adults who made different they became different people because they were given different options. Um, so remerging them, but according to Emmett, the problem you would have is that neither of them are whole. And so both of them feeling they might have feelings of emptiness or flawedness that that searching for something more mm-hmm. in theory what is saying is if you remerged us we wouldn't have that so it does kind of bring into that almost like complementary it's why it's tragic to think about like people having to die but if they if in the aspect of dying they could be reborn complete there is a beauty to what the Asians are asking for it just it costs a great deal to get there mm-hmm. and it's not necessarily able to be explained in a way to the common people that they would understand that sacrifice to be whole again i was like hey trust me like we're gonna murder everybody's gonna die i mean that's like we we heard we hear these horrible stories on the news we're like random once a decade it's like okay everybody drank the kool-aid and then it's like oh no uh hopefully that shit picked him up the uh so with uh with with that like i there's just so much to love and i want to kind of contrast this to the storytelling in other games, right? Like obviously you coming over from World of Warcraft, that has such a, like a rich and deep lore that is, that just like with 14 um, was, uh, you know, that's built upon by previous games, right? So there's people who are like, oh yeah, that guy and he's this guy's son and so and so and so forth. Uh, but the, obviously the presentation is different. I don't want to, I don't want to compare the presentation. I, I think that would, that, in my mind, that just puts WoW on in an unfair advantage but you've spoken so lovingly about like world of warcraft's like lore and story uh like what is it about uh that aspect from those two games uh that you really feel drawn to what is it about like those characters and what themes are similar um that you can kind of you could draw a connection to honestly i feel like the the big difference between the storytelling that drives me to like each game is that Final Fantasy's MSQ is more, you have a straight MSQ. No matter where you are, you have a couple of quests in this area, you have a couple of quests in this area, but regardless, you're doing the MSQ the whole time. So you're on that main story if you do so choose to do those quests, which is great because that keeps you enveloped in the actual story rather than 
the areas around you. Or maybe that's just me coming in as a new player, just going through the whole MSQ and not doing anything else um, mm -hmm. until after. But with WoW to me, it's more of the underlying tones of the main story. So like you get how, you know, the Pantheon was, you get, you know, the light and the void, you get how, you know, humans and, and dwarves and, and gnomes are created, mm -hmm. but you get that through undertones of the story. Whereas each zone with their quests is more um, pertinent to that area. So I was trying to actually talk to um, a couple of people about this where I love pretty much different zones in FF14 purely because of certain things, because you see certain characters because there's certain music like Raktika, come on, Lahi, seriously, come on. So I love it because of that. But certain zones in WoW, I love because of the story around the zone. Because you're not doing one straight MSQ story, mm -hmm. you're learning about everybody in the area and how the area came to be and why it's under siege or why you're protecting it or what have you. And again, that's because I haven't done a lot of side quests in each zone in Final Fantasy. But I do like that you get the main story from little bits like that. And a lot of people also say that you don't get enough of the main story unless you read, you know, the Chronicles or all of the novels. But it's kind of like, to give an example, like I love Northrend because you learn about the Valkyr, you know, you, you learn about more about the Forsaken, you learn more about Sylvanas, but you learn about the zones themselves. You learn about Ice Crown, you learn about the events that happened in Ice Crown, you learn about Grizzly Hills, Grizzly Hills has the music, you learn about um why there are god kings in grizzly hills you learn about why dragons are brought in whereas i love the msq in final fantasy but i don't get that for all of the zones like i like the zone like i said rectica i love the music mm -hmm. or i can say well i really liked the way the msq was in ishgard i liked hearing about the fight between you know the the humans and the dragons or the elizin because there were some there too you know i like the whole story between Shiva and Hraisvulgur and how he devoured her and it's just and how um, Iceheart thought that she was going to you know she really was using her body as a vessel for Shiva when it right. was just her idea of Shiva so I like those areas because of the MSQ in them I don't necessarily like them because of the atmosphere mm -hmm. that I would get if if that makes any sense I'm trying to explain it in a way that it does but so <sighs> WoW and 14 have both obviously gotten better at storytelling. So the mm -hmm. way they tell story in their current expansions is very different than the way if we back up to like the early and mid 2000s. Yeah. So like they're, there's just just the technical hurdles that they've come over. There's not nearly as much locked behind reading. There's, there's a much better player experience. But from a purely lore perspective, if we take everything in the context of when it came out. So we say if it was told good in 2004, that let's just assume that all age as well. WoW is much more, in my mind, a journey of you as a person, like as a member of the Horde or a member of the Alliance, and you're just one, and you can choose to engage with that as much or as little as you want. You are one of the many, and you grow, and as you mature, um, you become this celebrated hero, and so that's one of the issues where power creep comes from, is at this mm -hmm. point, we've got such a prestigious, like, resume that it's... that. <laughs> 
to treat us really valuably right from the get-go because that's how they chose to build it. And 15 years of destroying the biggest, baddest dragons has made us kind of big deals. But we got there slowly. So if you played back in Classic, it was really neat because it justified in my mind these like quests where you have to go like collect bear livers or go clean out my scarecrows because it was like, well, I'm a nobody. I don't have weapon skill. I don't have good gear. I haven't done anything. And you earn that. So there was this like building and this journey where I felt like I owned my character more than I owned Horror Alliance. Like my identity was tied to just my individual character, which is why I've never done like a race change or a character change. It's why I got attached to that. But in 14, I'm much more I'm given a story. I'm given much more of like a like a Zelda type approach or a single player RPG approach where it's like there really isn't player agency because no matter what options you choose, no matter what order, like you ultimately end up in the same place. We can all three have this conversation. We all three had the same dungeons, the same cutscenes. There isn't anything there. We were all given a very formulaic, beautifully told story. And so I think they're just inherently different in how they tackle story. And it's something that like, 14 has struggled with saying, wow, what if somebody doesn't want this much story or doesn't want this exact story? How do we offer that to him? Because we can't. And wow, on the other hand, has said, you know, World of Warcraft has said like, okay, how do we start getting people on the same page? Because you may not have done the zones in the same order, or you may have skipped the quests in certain zones. So you may have gaps in your knowledge because we did some tidbits in Eastern Plaguelands, but you never did Eastern Plaguelands. And so you just have no basis for a whole thing. Um, and they really don't have anything to build on. So they've had to start building in MSQ. There is MSQ in World of Warcraft now. So for everybody who right. hasn't played recently, there are required quests in, in Battle for Azeroth that you have to do to unlock certain content. And you have to go on these this war quest. You have to, And that's them starting to say, maybe there's something to this MSQ thing. They're not doing it for everything. So it's not nearly as, as I guess, forced as it is in 14, where we tell every new player, do your MSQ, do your MSQ. Like it is still very optional, but it says there is sections of our content, not all of it, but sections of our content that very much need to be tied behind a beautiful cinematic experience that gets everybody on the same page. There's right. there's risk and reward. Zandri, go ahead, sorry. Oh no, you're fine. Oh. I just wanted to, like, that's what I was trying to explain even though I was kind of circumventing and going in circles with what I wanted to say but that's what I was trying to say where it's more of like where you choose to level you know it's more area based rather than just a straight MSQ like so that's essentially what I was trying to say but I do like I did like to level that way for a while you know I wanted to be lore master I wanted to go to every single zone I wanted to know you know what went on in every zone I wanted to do all of the quests obviously but it's so cool that you can just do the whole story in 14 and a straight shot because I feel like it's it's more immersive and mm -hmm. like Chris was saying you know I haven't played since you had to start doing more fronts I haven't played since you had to start actually doing the story you know particularly in WoW so I, I wouldn't be able to comment on it but from what I played that's what I liked about it so like for me you know specifically it was like oh for WoW I liked this zone for the story but then for FF14, it's like, oh, well, I liked this moment or I liked this cutscene, or I liked the introduction of this character. Mm -hmm. so. so that brings up obviously kind of an interesting uh, and kind of our final um, way to kind of segment the, the podcast about the story, though, is that as incredible as it is, what we saw recently skill up. He just finished it at like 362 hours. Have you checked your playtime at all, Zandri? I haven't checked it, actually. I just learned how to check my instance. 
Nice. So that was a big deal for me. So if you ever get on, just do slash playtime, and that will tell you how long you've actually been playing the game. Yeah. And it was so when I looked at 362 hours, I'm like, yes, that's. I, I love that you specifically have and invested yourself into that because it really like as a longtime player for you to come in and be like, you know, really kind of dive in and love it. That like makes me so happy because we've been for a long time, like saying like, yes, Final Fantasy guys, they have some, there is a magic here. You got to come check it out at the same time. And they've talked about with like five, three shorting kind of the ARR stuff. It's like, right. that is a lot of a lot of stuff like by the way we're going to be going into our sixth season here in 2021 best get on the train now everybody otherwise you're gonna like it's gonna be what 400 420 hours like 500 uh it's just gonna be just nuts when it comes down to putting in the time to play the game uh etc and it's like yeah go watch all of breaking bad and then and then we can watch the next season yeah right i do too i use that because it's such a well done story and it and it has a kind of a complete be- beginning and end. And with uh, fourteen, I feel like it's going to have that as well. It's going to have that um, kind of that that full you know full complete story. What do we do? Like how, like as someone who's played through the story now, and you're now officially caught up as you go into Eden. You know, <laughs> I'm just curious as your thoughts. Like, is it a problem? I'm- is it a big problem? Or is it something that people just need to do it and and join us? Um, well, for me, I now have, it sounds really silly, but I have a schedule now of things that I wanted, I want to do things that I've missed because I was focused so much on the MSQ, um, and stuff that chat has said that they want to see me uh, do like Hildebrand. Um, I did, I got up to Twin Tanya in coils, but Mm -hmm. I want to finish coils. Um, you know, I want to do Alexander. I want to do Omega, but honestly, it was really funny because last night, Yesterday was the first day that I had completely streamed without having to do the MSQ. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I've mentioned that I wanted to do because of being data center locked, that I would like, even though I know that it's crazy, I would like to have a character on each data center so I could play with everybody. Mm-hmm. As nuts as that sounds. But everybody was People like, oh, yeah. And they're like, I would love to play with you. And I'm like, well, I just really want to do the story again. And they're like, you just finished all of that. Like, you have all of the the ARR stuff that the, you know, the 50 quests or whatever afterwards that makes people, you know, especially streamers that are starting out not want to play anymore. But for me, that was never a question. I enjoyed it. You know, Mm -hmm. I enjoyed the fetch quests. I enjoyed, you know, just sending messages to people. So there's a lot of stuff that I want to do. I want to keep doing all of the side quests that I didn't do. I want to unlock dungeons that I didn't do. I do know there's one um, right after Kugane, when you get to the underwater area, apparently there's a really cool dungeon that you can unlock there. Mm-hmm. But I missed it because I was doing the MSQ. Right. So I want to yeah. go back and unlock that. Um, but I, I, I want to do the MSQ again. And I'm, and everybody's like, well, wait for New Game Plus. Wait for you know the patch that shortens all of the the um, the level gaps. And I'm sitting there going, well, I enjoyed it. I don't, I don't really want to, you know. And but yeah, I think there's definitely a lot of things that I want to do. Oh, and when you were talking about the magic of the game, mm-hmm. for me, that actually, I mean, I loved playing the game. I had a ton of fun with it, you know. Um, I loved Shadowbringers. Shadowbringers, by far, is probably on its own, if you could call it, a st- I know it's an expansion, but if you could call it a standalone game for Game of the Year, I would vote for it because I think it's that good. Yeah. But for me, the magic actually started when 
I watched a documentary about um, the fall and rise of FF14. Yeah. And seeing what it was and what it turned into and the team that put all of the patch, you know, um, all of the work into the game to make it playable and at the same time work on, you know, ARR and have the revival yeah. essentially of the game tied mm -hmm. into the story. So not even a new game, but, and it just, it really hit me hard. And I, I watched the whole thing and just listening to Yoshi P speak, he's a rock star, by the way. And listening to everybody, you know, know that the original, um, like 1.0 essentially wasn't, it wasn't ready and people knew it, but it was only like when other people were looking at other people's work, they knew it, but they thought that the stuff mm. that they had produced was perfect and right. it just meshed together and the UI issues and the menu issues and just seeing that change enough was magic for me. And I was already into Stormblood by the time I finally watched this documentary and I was like, I already was so enthralled with all of the content that I was seeing that I wanted mm -hmm. to do it all. But now it just, it puts even more into it. It's nice to know that the devs play their own game. You know, they haven't lost sight of it. They know what changes need to be made. You know, they're looking at things every day. They actually take constructive criticism. They were able to make this into an amazing experience, even if it's not, you know, your style, even if you're not, you know, super huge on a story-based MMO, which doesn't make any sense to me, but whatever. Um, <laughs> it just, it's, it's unbelievable. It's, it's amazing. It's so magical. I was so completely moved by the amount of work that these people put into this game that I want to do everything, obviously, because I want to, but I also want to do it to show that, hey, I appreciate your content and I want to do every bit of content you have to offer because I know how much work you put into it. So it just, it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. So where can people find you? Like, cause you're saying you, what you're going to be working on non MSQ <laughs> stuff now, maybe going multiple characters. Um, yeah. Crazy. Where can people find you? Like you've been doing all, a lot of stuff over on YouTube as well. So, uh, yeah, I actually, I'm looking to start doing, um, a lot more on the YouTube, more story-based stuff. Um, I have a list that I want to do husbando list and waifu lists that I think would be funny. Um, right now it's just reactions from stream, but it's going to be much more. So I actually have a URL for the YouTube now. I try Congrats. to put up at least one. Thank you. <laughs> um, I try to put up at least one to two videos a week. Um, at the moment, it is um, YouTube.com, obviously, slash C slash Tizandri. So you can find um, all of my reactions if you don't get to see anything live and you don't like to watch VODs on Twitch. Um, but I will be putting up actual videos for YouTube that are specifically made for YouTube. Um, and then on Twitch, it's obviously twitch.tv slash Zandri. Um, and that's where I am most of the time, if I'm not at work, obviously. Um, but during the week, I stream 7 to 10 EST. Um, and then on the weekends, um, depending on if I have community D&D &D or a community night or whatever, um, it's usually 2 to 6 p.m. or just... I've been doing marathons on the weekends, like 12-hour marathons. It's ridiculous. That's, but, that's intense. Yeah. That's intense. <laughs> I get like three hours and I'm like, that was fun. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Uh, Chris, um, oh, yeah. Also, uh, for anybody watching this, links will all be in the description of this video uh, over on uh, YouTube and then obviously for all the like podcast places as well. So, guys, check out the links. Be sure to be following Zandri. Go tell her hi. Uh, check out her streams and check out her YouTube videos. Uh, she's an incredible talent. Chris, where can people find us? What are we working on? 
Uh, we've been starting to stream more to YouTube and Mixer. So we've been doing a little bit of that as well as some Twitch. So we're starting to just stream more in general. Um, I know Brian's gearing up for Destiny. I'm gearing up for WoW Classic. I actually downloaded Destiny and got a little bit of that in. Um, coming up on like level 30. I hadn't touched it since uh, we bailed out of Destiny. So I logged in at level 20 and then I didn't remember how to play the game. Uh, <laughs> so it's it's been a fun journey there. Um, I'm looking forward to next week. We have Alon Star coming on uh, to talk about Destiny and Final Fantasy. He's been streaming a lot of Destiny lately, but he actually put out a bunch of UI guides on 14 a little while back. He's one of the ones that sat at our table with us out at the media tour. So uh, it'd be interesting to kind of circle back on some of those subjects. Last week, we had Datto from Destiny. So lots of Destiny content coming up as, Des as they prepare to make a major move, um, which is really exciting. And then... It Guys, for those of you tuned in, these shows run like an hour. If any part of this you either missed or you want to share a specific part with a friend, remember that we're doing a highlights channel um, now where this gets broken up. So this will be reposted to YouTube um, in its entirety, but then you can go watch individual sections over on Casually Hardcore Highlights. Yes. And uh, I think we're almost to 400 uh, subscribers on the new channel. So thanks, everybody, for that support. All right. Well, I think that is going to wrap up our epic story spoiler <laughs> content. Xandra, you are fantastic. Thanks for taking the time. But we'll go ahead and conclude the normal way. For Work to Game, my name is Brian. My name's Chris. Megan. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. We hope you have a fantastic day, and we'll see you next time. Take care. <laughs>